from app.com, it's time to talk college hoops in the Garden State. Welcome to Jersey Jump Shot. That's right, it's time for episode four of Jersey Jump Shot from the Asbury Park Press. Ryan Ross here with Jerry Carino and Steve Edelson. Guys, a jam-packed show today, and let me be the first to welcome you to March. We finally made it. Best month of the year, best page on the calendar. I got that feeling going up and down my spine, and the hairs are up on the back of my neck. It's, it really is unbelievable how much uh, incredible stuff is happening in New Jersey and all across the country right now. So uh, it, just an amazing time of year, really. And an amazing time to be a Seton Hall Pirates fan because, Jerry, they're accomplishing a bit of history in this week's Top 25 poll. So they came in ranked 8th. I had them 7th in my ballot. I figured they'd be 7th, 8th, or ninth. Seton Hall is a single-digit ranking for the first time since 2000. And that team almost doesn't really count in 2000. They peaked in December, uh, wound up in the NIT. So really, I mean, since 93, this is the last proof that you need. This is the best team Seton Hall's had since then. And uh, it's about time that they crack the single digits because their their metrics and their net number has been behind where they should be as far as uh, that important uh, measurement for NCAA tournament seeding. Just think about if this team had been healthy all season, where they had been, if Powell had not missed time, if Sandro had not mi- missed time, you know... I- I mean, who knows where they could be right now? Yeah, they lost two games when they were shorthanded in December. And, uh, you know, they lost the game when, when Sandro was just coming back from injury to Xavier. So, really, who knows? But uh, what matters, as everybody knows, is how, you, how you're doing going into March. Madness and team's doing really well. And let's talk about that net ranking, Jerry. First, what is that? And, yes, the Pirates are ranked eighth, but you can make the argument they're really not getting the respect they deserve when it comes to the net. Well, they're eighth in the AP poll, but they're, they're 13th in the net. And here's, here's the issue with the net. The net is the, the primary tool used to, to uh, select the field and see the NCAA tournament. It's one of several tools, but it's the main uh, numbers numerical tool by the selection committee. And it's problematic because the net, uh, you know, computers crunching the numbers. They have Duke. Uh, is, their net is six. And Seton Hall's resume is clearly better. Duke lost two games last week to Virginia, which was unranked, and to a terrible Wake Forest team, and their net didn't move. It stayed at six, okay? So I'm just going to give you the the comparison. Seton Hall has 15 quadrant one wins. Uh, Duke has 10. Seton Hall has eight road wins. Duke has seven. Seton Hall has 10. I'm sorry, they have 10 quadrant one wins. Duke has four. Seton Hall has 15 quadrant one and two wins. Duke has 10. Uh, Duke has a bad loss. Seton Hall has none. Seton Hall's strength of schedule was better. How is Duke's net better? And then let's throw in Arizona. Arizona's net is 11th, and they're 3-8 and eight against Quadrant 1. Seton Hall's 10-5 and five against Quadrant 1. Those are the best teams on the schedule. Arizona's 9-10 and 10 versus Quadrant 1 and 2. Seton Hall is 15-7. and seven. How is Arizona's net better? <laughs> See, here, here's the problem in college basketball right now is it has become so metrics-centric. The NCAA Tournament Committee, whatever happened to the eyeball test looking at these teams, everyone becomes so metric-bound on these things. And the problem is there's so much money involved. So no one wants to make a mistake, and they want to be able to lean back on say, hey, on the computer. This, this is what the numbers say. Don't blame me. And it has taken that human part out of the equation, and that's a real problem. So here's what they will tell you 
to calm everybody down about the computer thing. And so they say, well, it's just one tool we use, okay? Well, then why when you had the NCAA bracket reveal last month, they went basically straight according to the net? Right. If it's just a tool, why was it straight according to the net? So this is what you're worried about as a Seton Hall fan. The two seed in the East is the big prize, okay? That's in Madison Square Garden. Seton Hall has been eyeing the seed since May when Miles Powell decided to come back home to come back to school and not turn professional, all right? So until this point, the bracketologists have had Duke penciled in for that seed. Duke still is ahead of Seton Hall in the net. If they go straight by net... Duke could get that seed. If you go by the eye test, common sense, having half a brain, Duke doesn't get that seed. It's time to drop Duke, and these are the concerns heading into Selection Sunday. This is just year two of the net, so we're still kind of figuring out how it's going to be used, but there are valid concerns with this thing. And, of course, anyone with a tinfoil hat on will say that one jersey says Seton Hall across the chest while the other says Duke across the chest, so uh, be that as it may. But the one remedy, I guess you could say, to all of this is to keep winning, and that's what Seton Hall's been doing. They take down Marquette, and a big... Big, big week coming up. They have Villanova at home on senior night. They are in contention for the outright Big East title, which they can clinch on senior night when Miles Powell will play his last regular season game at home. This is an enormous week for Seton Hall. Let me Before we get to the games, let's talk about Miles Powell, okay? It's his final home game. Soon he's going to be the second leading scorer in program history. He's going to be approaching 2,300 collegiate points. He's going to be a first-team All-American. Uh, he is... The best player this program's had since at least Terry DeHair. On Terry DeHair's senior night in 1993, I was there, a much younger man, much thinner, much more hair. <laughs> they retired Terry DeHair's number 24. They took it out of circulation. They raised it to the rafters. They're not going to do that for Miles Powell against Villanova Wednesday night at the Rock. I understand why, because Seton Hall has two other exceptional seniors Quincy McKnight or Amaro Gill, and they don't want to overshadow those guys or make it about one guy when this team is functioning so well, led by these three seniors. I get that, and I have no problem with that. My understanding is there's going to be a Miles Powell day next year at some point where they're going to come back and honor him with some sort of jersey ceremony. Now, I want to make a point of this. This is a pet peeve of mine, a thing that's been bugging me. Okay, I want to get off my chest. When they have that Miles Powell day, whenever it is, there is some discussion or thought process going on. Should they take number 13 out of circulation, like they did for Terry DeHair's number 24, or should they just do this, what I would call a half-baked measure that some other colleges do where they just raise the jersey to the rafters but don't take the number out of circulation and they continue to give the number out? That's not good enough for Miles Powell, okay? Seton Hall has retired eight numbers. They've taken eight numbers out of circulation. I've heard, well, it's a lot. Well, don't blame, don't take it out on Miles Powell because you took some jerseys out of circulation ill-advisedly or pre preemptively in the 70s. That's not Miles Powell's fault. They haven't retired a jersey since 1993, taking a number out of circulation. It's time. No Seton Hall player can ever wear number 13 again. I don't want to hear about raise the jersey but don't retire the number. Steve, am I crazy? No, I think absolutely should take it out of circulation. I think they are absolutely handling this properly on Wednesday night. You know, you this is all about the team. It's senior night. Those guys have really contributed. McKnight, Romero, 
you know, this has to be about the team here, and there will be time to celebrate Miles Powell in the future. And and who knows exactly what that will entail because who knows where this season is going to end. But I think they're handling this the right way. You you can't make it about Miles Powell on Wednesday night on senior night. It's got to be about the team. This team is running on all cylinders right now, and, and I think that's the right move there. And, and some schools you might see wait. Uh, and let the pro career play out, which you could obviously argue if they're achieving all these accomplishments wearing, let's say, a Seton Hall jersey, why does it matter what they go on to next do at year. the next level? Next year. Have the ceremony next year. And I agree with Steve. I see the merit in not doing it tomorrow, next, and not doing it Wednesday, rather. Next year is the year. Don't wait five years. Do it next year. We all know how special the guy is. And from next year to next game, this Villanova game, they played an instant classic, I guess you could say, in Philadelphia a few weeks ago. Uh, Seton Hall was actually a four-point underdog in that game. You have to imagine that line might flip uh, now that they're playing at home. And then, of course, they go to Creighton, where they are five-point favorites last game, and they lost at home. So an interesting slate coming up for the Pirates. So two big games, right? Villanova's ranked 14th, Creighton's ranked 11th. They're the three best teams in the Big East playing a little round-robin this week. Um, Seton Hall clinches the outright Big East championship. They've already clinched a share. They get the outright title uh, with one win in the two games. They just got to win one. They will also get the number one seed in the Big East tournament, which is a big deal because the number one seed plays at noon. Seton Hall's played in these 930, these late track games, and the belief within the program is it's, it's really worn them out. It's made it harder to awkward schedule to recover for the NCAA tournament. They want that one seed. They want to win the outright title. They'll have two cracks at it. The idea is you do it at home. They're going to have 16,000 people there, okay? The tickets are now moving. They're going to have 16,000. It's going to be mostly Seton Hall fans. In years past, it's been Villanova fans. This is going to be a Seton Hall show. This is going to be an event, a Seton Hall event. The time to do it is Wednesday. Now, I think Villanova will give Seton Hall a very tough game, okay? It's super hard to sweep a team with this kind of pedigree, coached by Jay Wright, who I think is one of the two or three best coaches in the country, uh, I expect Villanova to play very, very well, uh, and I will be surprised if this game does not come down to the last two minutes. Well, i got to tell you, I, I was so impressed with Seton Hall at Marquette. I mean, we talked about last week how tough it is to win there, how tough a game that was going to be. And the way they won that, the way they blew them out, you know, it got close at the end, but you never thought Seton Hall was going to lose that game. They cut them to shreds. You know, that, that, was, that was a statement. And if you come home and beat Villanova – I tell you what, it, this team is really playing so well right now. That's how you get a two-seed in the East. I've talked to Brad Wachtel, our bracketologist, I got a st- local bracketologist. I've got a story up now about that. How you get a two-seed in the East is you win one of the two games this week and you put yourself in great position for that, winning the outright title. I'm going to predict a very good game, ball in Powell's hands at the end to win it on senior night. Couldn't write a better script. Seton Hall 74, Villanova 72. I love that prediction. I mean, if the line flips uh, and they are four-point favorites like they uh, they were four-point underdogs at Villanova, I don't think they cover. I think they win in a you know one-possession type game. And like you said, what a storybook ending it would be for Miles Powell to hit that game winner. Maybe Seton Hall takes it by two or three, I say, in that game. And then I think the Creighton one's a toss-up. You know, uh, you have to wonder about a team's mindset. They have that emotional high. They clinch the Big East. They win a tight game against Villanova. 
they have it basically locked up where they want to go and what they want to do. You have to wonder going in to play a very good Creighton team, first and foremost, what their mindset's going to be if they've kind of already accomplished what they want. Not quite the NFL resting the starters, you know, the last week. After they, won't, the they won't do that. They won't, they won't do, do that. It. But you have, you have to wonder what they'll be thinking going into that game if they do win a tight, emotional game over Villanova. They'll find a way to get one win this week, Seton Hall. If they win two, look, they're off to the races. They already are. But uh, they'll find a way to win one. If I'm picking them to beat Villanova, so I do think there's – There'll be a Creighton senior night in Omaha, tough place to play. I'm going to go with Creighton. Uh, I'm going to say uh, another close game. I'll say 78-76, pretty high scoring. That was high scoring the last time they played. I'll go with Creighton out in Omaha. Seton Hall gets a split this week, hangs a Big East banner all to themselves, gets the one seed in the Big East tournament. And I'll take the points with Seton Hall if they're getting them at Creighton. Uh, I don't think they maybe win outright, but if they're getting points five and a half or so, I, I think. Dog fight, high scoring dog fight. Over to Piscataway now. Uh, Rutgers, they lose at Penn State. A real shame, too, because they had a terrible first half, and then they came on strong in the second half to lose uh, at a good Penn State team. But upcoming this week, where do they sit? Are they on the bubble? What else do they need to do? They have a big one on their schedule with Maryland, and a win at home would go a long way for the Scarlet Knights. Yeah, Maryland comes in ranked ninth. Rutgers almost beat them down there last month in College Park. 56-51. Rutgers was shorthanded in that game, missing Jacob Young, an important reserve guard. Uh, I, I, I like the, what I see from Rutgers going into this game. I was at, I was at practice uh, Sunday, and I saw something I have not seen. Now, I don't attend every practice, okay? I'm sure there's things that go on that I don't see. But I saw Steve Peichel ride this team on Sunday like I have never seen. He opened up with a 10-minute speech that was fire and brimstone. I have never heard him talk like that, and you would need the uh, – you would need the delay to run it on air. Okay, there'd be some words bleeped out. Um, I think it's a, he's trying a different approach. Look, I know there's times when he's tough on them. He's not. A, he's no. He's no soft pretzel, Steve. But he he was very tough on them, and they responded very well Sunday. I'll be surprised if they don't play well. That said, Maryland's is a weird team. They got a lot of talent. Their A game is in a place that Rutgers can't reach, but they don't bring their A game a lot. So I get good vibes about Rutgers going into this game at the rack. See, here's the problem. Even if Rutgers beats Maryland and then loses its last two games, to me, that Maryland win exacerbates the whole problem. It says Rutgers can beat anyone at home. They can't beat anyone away from the rack. And, you know, so, yeah, great, beat Maryland, but you got to do more than that. They are going to have to win the final game in the regular season, or they're going to have to advance at the Big Ten tournament. I don't think beating Maryland is enough. What I'll say is this. Could they get in just beating Maryland? Yes, they could. There's lots of moving parts around the country with bid stealing and whatnot. Um, do, do, what can Rutgers do to lock up a bid and not sweat on Selection Sunday? Two more. Get two more because do you want to send a 1-12 road neutral record up to the committee when no other team that's in the mix has no. fewer than four road neutral wins this year? Do you luck. want to send a 1-12? You're, you're, you're tempting fate if you're Rutgers sending a 1-12 road neutral record up there. Uh, Beat Maryland at home, which I think they will. I'm picking Rutgers to win. 60-58, to 58, another tight game down to the wire. Geo Baker with the game-winning shot at the end, low scoring. And then win one more. I, I, I don't think Rutgers will win at Purdue. It's a lot to ask. Purdue's trying to squeeze their way in, too. And it's tough to sweep a team at this level. Mackey Arena is one of the very toughest places to play in the Big Ten. I'm going to go with Purdue on Saturday. Rutgers gets a split this week. And then it comes down to... 
Can they pull one off in Indianapolis? Hard to say without the draw, but it'll be fascinating. A lot of pressure on them in Indianapolis, no question. And Rutgers is actually 2-0 and against the spread against the two upcoming opponents. They were 7.5-point underdogs at Maryland. They gave them a game. They only lost by 5, and they were 3-point favorites at home against Purdue, and they won by 7. But, of course, that's all flipped now. Uh, you have to wonder what the spread's going to be with Maryland coming in. Of course, Rutgers has that great home court advantage made possible by kind of the quirky layout of the rack, and there's been a debate. What do you do with the rack now? Is is it worth renovating? Is it worth fixing at the risk of losing some of the magic they've had at home? Don't touch a thing. <laughs> now listen, I'm not in lockstep with everybody on this. I understand. There's certain things at the rack that need to be improved. They need they need more bathrooms. They're going to add some more amenities for the high rollers, you know, the boosters and whatnot. But to me, the the core of the rack, the guts of the rack is the layout. That's what makes it so loud. Don't mess with the layout. I would have very minor cosmetic, you know, renovations. I wouldn't go, I wouldn't add a lot, any capacity. It's great as it is. Look, the rack is decrepit, okay? It's decrepit, but it's a, it's a decrepit advantage. Don't mess with the advantage. And I hope, I hope they're smart enough to know that over there at Rutgers. I know Steve Peichel is. Are the people in charge who count the money smart enough? I don't know. We'll That's see. the problem. It's all about money. So if you want to add seating capacity, if you want to put in all kinds of luxury stuff where you're going to be basically printing money – well, that's going to be the debate. But I think Jerry's right. Do not add to the capacity of this. 8,000 is about right for Rutgers. It's loud. It's a good crowd. You know, I, I, you know tweak it if you want, but I would not go wholesale changes. Yeah, on and this. the people who are getting in, it's a tough ticket this year. The people who are getting in really want to be there. They're not there to hang out and drink beer. They're there to, to make life hell for the opponent and to push their team. Don't, don't mess with what works. You're 17-1 there for a reason. I agree. Cosmetic changes, if you want to you know, throw some fancy new video boards in, if you want to add some concessions, bathrooms, that types of thing, sure. But I agree with you. Don't mess with the layout because you have a great home court advantage. And now, at least in Rutgers' eyes, they have their coach moving forward for the future as well. Right. Big development. Steve Pugler gets another two-year contract extension. He just got one two years ago. Now he's booked through 2026. He'll be making $4 million a year, topping out in that last year. Now, it has been reported, I think, without context, that that doesn't make him the second-highest-paid coach in the Big Ten, okay, because most coaches don't have contracts that are running that long yet. By the time 2026 rolls around, he'll be somewhere in the middle, in the median, maybe high-median. But look, the bottom line is that Rutgers has to keep this guy. People are going to come sniffing around. He has built something from the ashes, okay? And speaking of ash, the reason why everybody's a little – you know, people, not everybody, some people might be a little concerned or look negatively on the extension is because Pat Hobbs, the AD, messed up so badly in extending Chris Ash, building an extension into his contract, basically giving the guy $10 million, just a colossal waste of money. Same agent, same agent for Ash and uh, Peichel. Is this guy playing Hobbs like a fiddle? <laughs> Probably. But in this case, Peichel can coach. Ash couldn't do the job. Michael can do the job, so the investment to me makes sense. Well, what I would say is they clearly made the decision that, you know, filling the rack, uh, securing a winning record, that was enough for a contract extension. Okay, I get that. I, I don't see the harm in waiting a couple weeks. Let's see how this plays out, how Rutgers finishes up the season. Listen, if they lose out and someone wants to back up a Brinks truck for them, well, what are you going to do? But, yeah, I, I agree with the extension – 
I'm not sure about the timing of it. I, I would have liked to have just maybe let this play out. Of course, it would be kind of a negative optic if they don't. If they wind up in the NIT with the with the salary with the giant extension, you know, the big extension here, it'll be kind of a negative optic. But what I would say about that is this, Steve: uh, if you let it play out, you're also inviting sharks to swim in the pool to maybe try to pry Pico loose or sniff around. Well, again, again, if you lose out, and like I said, <laughs> right. if someone wants to back up the Brinks truck for him, well, what are you going to do? You, if you want to match it, fine. But you know, maybe then you have to you have to look at this. Uh, so again. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much sniffing around there's going to be if, indeed, they they end up in the NIT this year. Um, I'm sure uh, fans of other teams are going to have, make four million dollar jokes if Rutgers loses the next three games. But to me, it's a risk. I understand the skepticism of Pat Hobbs because he blew it the first time around with Chris Ash. To me, it's a risk. You know, we'll see how it takes. It turns out. But I don't want to be a hindsight guy. I want to say call it in real time. I think I, I think I'm all right with it. For sure. And I think the glass half full look is saying that you have already met or exceeded expectations thus far uh, in his coaching tenure with Rutgers. So you lock him up, you reward him for, for meeting and passing these goals, I guess is the one way to look at it. But like you said, yeah, it's it could be pretty embarrassing if this really all goes down the twos. But at least Rutgers thinks they have their coach locked up for the future. And I think so too, by the way. I think he's the guy to, to keep this train rolling. And it's paid off thus far, obviously, but we'll see how Rutgers does this week. They have two tough games. We'll keep an eye on that, of course. Now over to the MAC, where it's really just a back-and-forth battle. The big game of this past week was Ryder taking down Monmouth, and uh, both of those teams really just duking it out at the top. Yeah, I mean, listen, that's always a tough place to play. Monmouth played poorly, you know, and they played really, really well in, in just crushing Manhattan on Sunday. So it's a mixed bag with all these teams. But, you know, it's just about positioning right now as they get ready to go down to Atlantic City. And, you know, the, the problem for, for the MAC this year is their tournament is a, is a week later. You know, so instead of being with all the mid-majors, now they're lumped in with all the high-major tournaments. So less, uh, you know, less of a big-time feel on national TV, whereas before they had Monday night heading into the big tournaments all to themselves. Uh, you know, now it's not going to be that way. Uh, but, you know, the, the gain for them is, uh, and they had to move back a week because Atlantic City has the high school wrestling tournament this year. But the key is they moved the tournament out of Albany, out of Siena's home court, and Siena is the home, is going to be the top seed this year. So that actually is a plus, I think, for everyone. I feel like we're missing something this week. Like, the MAC tournament should be this week, you know. Right. The Northeast Conference tournament is this week. Like, this is mid-major week. Right. So, and next week, I mean, I can only speak for myself, right? But as a fan of college basketball, I'm going to be at the Big East tournament all wrapped up in Madison Square Garden. I'm not going to be able to follow the MAC tournament the way I would want to. I would go down there maybe with you, Steve, to cover, you know, St. Peter's and Monmouth and, and the good Jersey storylines we have there. I'm not going to be able to do that now. Well, here here's the thing, and you're going to see this week, you are going to see the, the incredible excitement at Vermont when they're hosting a championship or, or, or something like that or in the NEC at Robert Morris. You know, you you don't get that in the MAC, and maybe that's something they should consider going to home court. They feel like it makes them a small time conference, but let's face it, that's kind of their level, and there's some value in that because you get that excitement and you can play the game when you're going to get the most exposure. When ESPN says, "Hey, this is where we need you, right here. You have the whole stage to yourself," so I think that's something they need to consider. Steve, they're going to get five thousand people for the later stages of this tournament in the boardwalk hall or not? 
No, I don't think so. Five thousand. No, I, I tell you what, I, I'm not sure what the the A10 was getting down there, but it was a ghost town for the Atlantic Ten. I was there. It was not a great crowd. Yeah. So what what is the Mac going to get? You know, if they get three thousand, thirty five hundred. You know, that's that's going to top it out. You're better off playing the game on Mammoth's campus. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. For gosh. example. Yeah. And it's a shame, too, because the league has been so competitive and so great, and there are five teams that can really make a legitimate claim to winning yeah. this tournament, and they're going to be playing in a, you know, quarter-full arena in Atlantic City. One you know? one note on the MAC from my end, that is St. Peter's, they need a little help from Mammoth. They could win the MAC regular season title, and that actually matters because you get the auto bid to the NIT, which would just be an enormous accomplishment for St. Peter's if they can, Shaheen Holloway in year two, if they can get it. So there is something worth following this week in the league as they, you know, jockey for position. We'll keep an eye on that. St. Peter's, Iona coming up. Uh, Monmouth has Fairfield and Siena, and Ryder wraps up with Manhattan. Uh, In the Ivy League, Princeton, I think they're going to be fine. They take down Brown. Uh, they lose a tough game to Yale. They really gave Yale a handful in that game on the road. Now they have Columbia and Cornell coming up uh, pretty firmly set in the Ivy League. Yeah, but he, here's the problem is it looks like now they're going to have to play Harvard in a semifinal right. on Harvard's home court. Tough. You know, and then you got to go, if you get by that, then you got to play Yale, who you've lost to twice already. I mean, it's going to be tough for Princeton. Princeton, I am impressed, though. They got waxed by Yale at home two weeks ago, and they almost took them down yeah. up, up there in New Haven. So that's they're getting better, Princeton. Mitch Henderson's a good coach. Uh, it's just you got to go through Harvard and Yale in Harvard to win the Ivy League title. That's hard. And I, what I would ask is, and I'd love to be a fly on the wall at the Alchemist and Bar- Barrister <laughs> up Nassau Street on Witherspoon. Witherspoon, I know what street Great it's on. Beer selection. Yes, <laughs> and other stuff. Um, I would love to know when this is discussed, how did Princeton get so late in the rotation to host the Ivy League championship, right? It's been in, what, three different sites so far? How did they get kicked back to fourth in the rotation, given their history and and Jadwin being a great venue? So they got to wait till next year. That kind of stinks, you know? So it's it's a bummer. It's what you got to deal with. But I wonder what the politics were on that. Yeah, almost a year late, you know, with with the team that they have this year. And of course, they'll have guys back next year. But you have to see how that plays out. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. You know, they're not doing themselves favor. They're in a good position. But like you said, uh, the way it's shaping up now, they could have a very tough Ivy League tournament. And we'll of course be following every step of the way. Seton Hall, Rutgers, the MAC, Princeton. Uh, guys, anything we should read this week on the on app dot com? There's three things I have going up. Some are up now, right away. Uh, right now, I, I talked to Brad Wachtel, our bracketologist from New Jersey, about what Rutgers and Seton Hall need to do this week. That's up now. Uh, a senior day feature on Rutgers' two ma- senior managers and a walk-on Joey Downs, who've contributed a lot to the program behind the scenes and for four years. That's up now. And then Tuesday morning uh, will will be a uh, Miles Powell story, senior day story, and my column on why no pirate should ever wear number 13 again. <laughs> We'll be on the lookout for those, of course. Uh, of course, follow us all on Twitter, uh, R. Ross APP, Steve Edelson APP, and NJ Hoopshaven for Jerry. That's going to wrap up show number four, a jam-packed show number four, and I have a feeling the rest of March is going to be exactly like this. Thanks for listening along the way. Of course, you can find us on app.com, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes. Uh, be sure to listen in next week. I'm sure we'll have plenty more to talk about. That's going to do it for Jersey Jump Shot. We'll catch you next time. Jersey Jump Shot is a production of the Asbury Park Press and USA Today Network. Subscribe at app.com.